We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Over the past few years, I've been running a mastermind with principles, which is a way for us to get together and talk about the challenges that we're facing and come up with solutions to all the problems that are seemingly getting bigger and bigger every day. So at the end of each meeting, I ask someone, I ask everyone, what was most useful to you today? And here are the things that people are saying, the connection with other principals, an idea for a parent support group and how important that could be, the importance of tracking data and how to deliver materials effectively to students when they're out of school, connections with other principals, collaboration, and new ideas. These are all feedback from what people are getting from the mastermind, and I would love to have you join us. Go to transformativeprinciple.org slash mastermind or jethrojones.com slash mastermind, and I'd love to schedule a chat to talk with you and see if it's a good fit for you in your situation. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am honored and excited to have Jeremiah Newell on the program today. Jeremiah, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thanks, Jeff. We're excited to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you about your school because you are doing something that is truly transformative and different. And so why don't you start by telling us about Excel and what your school looks like? Sure. Glad to do so. So Excel Academy, Day and Evening Academy is uh, Alabama's first charter school here in the great state of Alabama. We're located down in Mobile, Alabama, uh, often called the uh, state of Mobile because it predates the rest of the state. And and often uh, comes up with some pretty innovative ideas from time to time. Uh, this is one of them, and I'm excited to be a part of it as the school's founder. Uh, Excel Academy is uh, serving currently grades 9 through 12 
we focus on on connecting with young people who might be otherwise disconnected. They might have been in in school, but but feeling like they were, you know, one among many, feeling like they're not getting supports they needed, maybe feeling disengaged, disconnected, maybe even falling behind altogether and, uh, you know, not earning the credits or even dropping out. And and our role as a school is to re-engage young people, to reconnect with them, to inspire them, to show them a path forward and to, and to uh, help them get on that path. And so as a school, we're, we're pretty different in that we operate day and evening. Uh, we're literally open from eight in the morning to 8.30 at night, providing opportunities for young people for varying backgrounds and experiences. Uh, we serve the entire area. We serve uh, 300 students in, in those grades nine through 12 and uh, we really focus on providing those social emotional supports as well as the academic individualization to help students get where they need to be. Yeah, I I love I just love this model because it's it's so vital. So you go from eight in the morning to eight at night. How do you make that work with teacher schedules and and things like that? Because that is always the the big insurmountable. How do we how do we get people to work during that time and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. So. Part of it is being very intentional about who you're serving when. Uh, so we have essentially two different academic programs. From eight to three, there is a, a more traditional five-block period where students uh, come. And most of the students in that period are, are younger and further for graduation. So they, they need the additional supports and structures of moving from class period to class period of, uh, so that they can continue to make make good progress. In the evening, school starts at four o'clock and goes to 8.30, Monday through Thursday. And those students tend to be older and closer to graduation. So they're uh, having adult responsibilities. They're working during the day. They're taking care of their own children or their parents. And so they are pretty independent. Uh, They just need the additional academic structures uh, to help them be successful um, beyond things like homeschool or adult and that sort of thing. So, so that's how the two, two models, they work together, but they're uniquely tailored based upon uh, where young people are in their educational trajectory. And what I found is that uh, designing around your, your, the, one, the students you're serving, your customer, is critical to ensuring that, that your model makes sense and is effective. Mm. Man, you couldn't have said that better. Because if we are actually serving the people that are in front of us and not trying to be everything to everyone or be something that we want that nobody in our community wants, that's going to be a huge problem. So you founded the school. How did you come up with this idea and and put the things in place to make it happen? Absolutely. So I certainly didn't do it alone. In fact, uh, I started in this work, I'm from Mobile, born and raised, uh, a product of our public schools here in Mobile. And uh, I was very active in high school around issues of equity and educational opportunity as a young person. And so when I graduated high school, actually, is I began my career in education. Uh, first, I thought I wanted to be an engineer and, and change my major pretty quickly to education because I began to get experience and exposure with uh, all of this, uh, this ideas of how we can improve education and improve the quality of schools. And that really uh, lit a fire in my belly. So I became a, a teacher, uh, English language arts teacher, and then quickly began to specialize in working with models and young people in Mobile who were falling behind. We launched those models in Mobile in our school district which is the largest school district in the state. Uh, it's kind of the New York City of Alabama since that uh, a tenth of 
of the school students in the state of Alabama are educated down here every day. And so I got great experience there working in our district uh, and then oversaw a turnaround of low-performing schools here in Mobile and left for a while, got my doctorate in education leadership at Harvard and decided to come back. And, and the way I wanted to contribute is by uh, being a part of the Education Foundation here in Mobile, the Mobile Air Education Foundation, which for 30 years has helped to bring new ideas and collaborate and bring resources to improve the quality of public education and is given a platform to to be both inside and also outside at the same time, to bring forth partners and also deeply do the work around the instructional core. And uh, that collaboration uh, created a platform where we were asking the question as a community and a group of community leaders from the mayor to uh, business to community officials, what more can we do to support our young people? And we were proud uh, to that one of the ways when we looked at our data, we recognized that young people, while uh, more were graduating on time, many were not graduating with the skills they really needed to make the next step in their journey. So we launched this model as a way to support our young people, to respond to a community need, both for citizens and for business, and to uh, and to try to bring that collaboration forward to, to benefit our young people. And, and I've had the joy of figuring out what that model looks like and finding team members to make it happen and, and seeing our young people thrive as a result. So that's kind of how my trajectory and, and, and how we uh, launched this, this school here in, in, in Mobile as the first charter in Alabama. Man, that is, that is just awesome. And so being from, from Mobile, Alabama yourself, and then being able to get your doctorate from Harvard, like I'm sure there's a whole three other stories we could talk about just with that, which is very commendable and, and excellent work on that. But, but let's talk a little bit about the, the team that you have to hire, the kind of people that you have to look for to staff your school, because, you know, teachers are, there's teacher shortage across America. Everybody has to be more intentional about how they recruit people to their school and, here you are at a school where you're going to be asking people to work in the evening, and that's not something the teachers typically do. I mean, they work in the evening at home, like preparing and planning and stuff, but not with kids in the evening. So can you talk a little bit about how you recruit and find the right people to be on your team? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it, it starts with mission alignment. Uh, that's the first step. So we, we lead with you know being unapologetic about our mission to re-engage and, and connect with young people. And we look for educators who who feel like they're having an impact where they where they are. Maybe they're in traditional public schools or are in uh, private schools of some sort, but uh, really feel like they can they can do more. They, they're called to do more. They can be challenged more, and uh, and, and so we, we try to connect with with teachers and educators who who are in that space. who are really wanting to push the envelope, but also who would like some more flexibility and autonomy. So one of the things that we we try to do for our teachers is to create the space for them to do their best work. Our, our the role of the of the, of the building leader, of the principal, and the administrative staff is to support the teachers to do their best work. That's always what our job is, and so we take that very seriously by creating the intentional space. So, for example, we do half day Fridays for students so that our teachers have intentional planning time and and learning time so they can continue to iterate on their craft together. Uh, we target that around. Uh, the request for professional learning that teachers give us and that and that we see based upon our, our observational data around our instructional framework. 
Uh, and then as we recruit, we, we give the opportunity for staff to visit the school, to visit other teachers, to meet our students and to know what the culture and climate is like in the space and to feel like it's a family, because that's what our students and staff say all the time. It's the family environment uh, where we focus on the individual. And so that really helps to recruit folks. We also are competitive with pay. We we try to pay uh, a little bit more than all of our, our area districts. And so that we are, you know, we approach and recognize this hard work. Uh, serving disconnected youth is, is harder and it, it requires your whole mind, body and spirit. And so we try to appreciate folks. And then that's where the evening work comes in. We, we don't require our teachers to work evening. There are a few that, that choose not to, but most do. And, uh, and because we're a smaller program in the evening, then teachers are actually paid additionally to work in the evening. Perceptually, it's like an additional part-time teaching job. And, you know, many educators have part-time tutoring or teaching jobs. Why not do that with the young people you serve in the building you already care about? And so we provide those opportunities for staff. And that's that's appealing. That's, that's helpful from a financial standpoint. And it's also helpful from a school climate standpoint, because our teachers already know how to do things the Excel way. And so it creates continuity between the day school and the evening school. We, we don't allow folks to work more than two nights a week just so that they don't get exhausted. But um, but that's how we, we organize things. And it, it works out really well. We learned, in fact, uh, from a model out of New York City, the Young Adult Borough Center model out of New York City, DOE, and then kind of mobilized it out to, to implement it uh, in our area. But that's a, that's a model that's worked pretty well for us. Yeah, that is really fascinating. So I love the idea of having your own staff work the evening as well. So I was in a Title I elementary school as an assistant principal uh, at the beginning of my administrative career and had we had a after school program that went for an additional two hours. And as you can imagine, being the assistant principal, I was there every day and I was there until the very last kid left. And that made for some really long days that I, you know, it was easy to get burned out in that situation. It was easy for our teachers to get burned out. So I love that you don't have two different staffs, one for the day school, one for the evening school. I love that you Don't allow people to work more than two nights a week. I think that's really important so that they can still have a life outside of school. But the reality is, is even in that Title I school, we had so many teachers who wanted to put in the extra time to help their kids that they were willing to do it because they cared so much. And so the way you did it is you put in blocks so that they they can't uh, overcommit. And I think that's really great. And I, I just love that model. So talk a little bit about your instructional strategy for your school. What does that look like? How is it different than a traditional everyday school that a kid would go to instead? Absolutely. So we're a blended learning school. And what that looks like is our teachers begin their planning uh, first by identifying what core standards uh, students need to master. We, we utilize NWA map data like many school districts across the country and schools across the country to give us a sense of where our students are coming from. Uh, Many are joining us at uh, various grade levels uh, in the middle of their educational journey. And and while they may come to us historically as a as a junior, uh, they may have six or six or fifth grade math skills. And so we use those data to determine where we need to focus and how we schedule our our young people. And then our teachers uh, focus on uh, intentional differentiation. So the teacher's going to identify those core standards and then they're going to do short lessons followed by longer uh, work time. And that work time may look like teachers pulling a group of students who 
who are lower in this in this uh, particular standard and get extra at bats with the the teacher, uh, extra scaffolding. It may it look like um, in other parts of the classroom, students are working collaboratively and helping to scaffold one another because there's enough of a basis there to build upon their current knowledge. And then there's going to be some instances where students are pretty strong in this area and they're ready to, to, to go further, to go faster, and they can work more independently and get ahead. So that intentional station rotation differentiation that you know, kind of off, often shows up in elementary school lives across our secondary high school in every classroom every day. And, uh, and so being really good at differentiation, using data and planning um, based upon where students are the, de- the day before is what guides our instruction. And it, and it really has been tremendous. We've seen uh, students using our NWA data uh, grow two and three years in, in one semester because of that. And so we're really proud of that. It's really hard work, but that's uh, where we where we've put our bet. We've placed our bets that that differentiation is the key, and then instructional technology are then tools to make that happen. So we do use certain uh, instructional tools and platforms that help us to differentiate appropriately. Um, but they are plug and play. They're 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 you know they're appropriate for one subject and then something different for another subject. And so getting those narrowing those and getting those right just help to accelerate the growth on behalf of our students and our staff. And that's how we think about the role of tech in our instructional model. It's very deeply connected to what are the standards? How do we know students are mastering it? And then how do we differentiate around, along the way to get students there, even though it may be at different times to get there eventually? Hey, guess what? I've got a book coming out. How exciting is that? It's called School X. And it's all about helping you as a principal be a designer of your school and not just a manager. So I hope you'll check it out. You can download the free chapter at schoolx.me. So just go to schoolx.me to download the first free chapter. And once you get it, hit reply to the email and tell me what you think. Looking forward to sharing that with you. That's schoolx.me. So I've been in a school where we've been able to grow our map scores really aggressively, but we have, we weren't ever able to sustain it. Like we were able to do it in short bursts, but it sounds like you are able to sustain it. The kids continue to grow at a high rate uh, with your approach to what do you attribute that? Well, I think it's a, it's a couple of things. One, and there, and it is important on the sustained piece that the way kind of the flaw with map is that as students grow their skill, their ability to grow faster is always going to slow down. Right. Mm-hmm. So Part of the speed of the growth that we see is because students come in with such low, with often low, slow skills. So lower skilled students tend to grow faster on map skills if you intentionally build their, their, their capacity academically. And so that's where a lot of that growth is coming. Now, then we look at our young people who are kind of performing at level or slightly above level, yes, they may be growing a little bit slower, but they're still growing. And that's that's a good indication that if you start seeing a year of growth on high-skilled students, you're definitely still doing your job, right? You're not going to see two and three years growth on, on high-skilled students. That's just by the nature of how the MAP test is built. So that's one thing, just understanding what the assessment is telling us and, and understanding how it varies based upon student skill. But what I attribute to growth really comes down to narrowing our focus. You know, we cannot teach everything. We cannot teach everything well, certainly not. And so 
then being able to know where our students' uh, cognitive skill gaps are from the grade levels before they got there, and then carefully developing a learning plan that helps them uh, break through those misconceptions and actually that demonstrate that skill has really been helpful. And then the second piece is intentional vertical articulation. Though we use block scheduling, which is you know tough, right? You, you do block scheduling one semester, then you're in a different class the next semester. It's critical for us for credit accumulation. So we have to do that. But the other thing we do is we make sure that that English 9 course that may be in the first semester, the English 10 course picks up in that English 9 course. And the, the teacher knows the kids coming in. They've got the data on the kids coming in. And, that, and there's a nice handoff between teachers over the course of the year. So they're intentionally building their skills over time. So that, that also helps to, uh, to see that sustained growth versus, you know, you, you take this math teacher and then you take something else and it's not connected and, and your, your skills are intentionally growing. So I think those things are really what drive the growth scores that we're beginning to see as a school. Yeah. So I want to talk about the credit recovery and acceleration and, and maintaining credit as well. But first I want to talk about how you do that handoff. If somebody's going from English nine in semester one to English 10 in second semester, how do you, how do you handle that handoff between the teachers so that, there's good continuity. They know the kid well enough and they're able to provide the supports for that kid as they transition like that. So that's really where building the planning time matters so much. So because we have a half uh, day every week, we intentionally schedule our learning time so that there's times where they're learning content, but there's also times where they're collaborating and planning together. And so then department teams can talk about the alignment of their uh, instruction across grade levels, because really we don't use grade levels. We use phases. And so uh, it's just the ongoing growth of students from one course to the next. And so through those department and content level meetings, uh, as they, as we get close to handoffs, the other English teachers know what the previous teacher has taught. They've planned together around those things. They know how far they've gotten and they can talk about where the other teacher needs to pick up based upon the scope and sequence. But it, it doesn't just happen. You have to schedule the time and build it into your school day so that, that the planning can actually happen versus hoping it happens after school when everybody's exhausted during a staff meeting. I mean, that just, that just doesn't work. So that's the thing that had to give is we had to be intentional about our school schedule to enable that half day once a week to do this intentional kinds of planning. Yeah, I really like that because that's in schools, we often make this time and then we don't know really how to utilize it effectively. And what I'm hearing you say is you take this time that you have and you intentionally devote it to teachers talking about students, about where they're at and where they're going and how they can support them and and all that stuff. And, and using that time really effectively and really focused and providing a lot of it, you know, half day on Friday, that's more than just like, you know. Uh, an hour and a half, you know, one day a week, which is which is what my right. experience has been. So I really, really like that. And you've got to really drive a stake in the ground and say, this matters and we're going to hold this time sacred and not, you know, waste it on other things that so easily come up that we feel like we need to have a meeting about. How do you manage that balance of not letting things take over that time and keeping that time sacred? Yeah, so when it comes to things that are whole uh, announcements, meetings, things we have to 
figure out as a group because we're very much founding and, and learning uh, our, our way together as a team. Uh, we schedule alt- our alternative time for that. So for staff meetings, that sort of thing, we'll schedule that after school during during the week and you know on that for 30 or 40 minutes uh, so that it protects our sacred time of instruction. And the other thing is we, we invest, we have a fantastic instructional coach who helps to help to hold those meetings sacred and plan for them. You have to invest not only the time, but the in, but the instructional capacity and expertise to make that happen. And so you put those put those things together, and it it helps to helps to hold that that time sacred. And we see good capacity being built on our in our staff because of it. Yeah, that is that is so good. John Cat Educational supports high quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Let's talk about credit and how you how you support kids with credit, because typically if kids are a little bit older and are disengaged from school, they're going to have great credit holes and not have what they need to graduate. How do you help them accelerate so they can graduate on time or get them, you know, their credits as quickly as possible? What do you do with that? Yeah, so. It's so true. Uh, you know, students uh, who come in, come in behind. Really, one of the most important things that we that we offer is we do not schedule around grade levels. We schedule around what students need, and so we try to utilize then phase based approaches to uh, organize students. Foundation uh, phase is focused on kids taking primarily ninth and tenth grade level classes. Uh, preparation phase is more primarily those uh, focused on 11th grade classes and ACT and those kinds of things. And then 12th grade is, is called our Excel our Excel phase, with, named after the school, and it's focused on post-secondary opportunities, internships, dual enrollment, AP, technical and academic dual enrollment, those kinds of things. So three phases uh, in the course of through the course of every year, students have an opportunity to take five classes a semester, so an opportunity to earn 10 credits in the year because we use block scheduling. And that block scheduling is going to give them what they need. So we're not going to stop them from taking English 11, even though they came to us as a credit-bearing 10th grade. Absolutely not. We're going, whatever's next in your progression, that's what you're taking from so from fall and, and spring. So that puts a lot of the ownership in our, on our students to be able to then say, okay, the master schedule is, is not my uh, barrier here. What is my barrier is, is, is earning these credits and, and showing mastery and moving forward. And so that really helps using that flexibility of credit. Also, students have the opportunity to do some additional credit recovery outside of the school day. Remember that uh, I talked about the time from school gets out at three and four, from between three and four, students, uh, instruction is still available for students from the day to do credit recovery, to do twilight school that allows them to earn some additional credits, even beyond the 10 that they could possibly earn. So so with all of those applications, students can earn 10 plus credits a year. And so it's 24 credits in the state of Alabama to graduate. So in two and a half years, if they pass everything and work really hard and came in with no credits, 
uh, they could still they could still uh, earn that high school diploma and also have experiences of dual enrollment, and internships, and things that are going to help them set uh, on a path not just to graduation but graduation and ready for the next level. So though that really provides a sense of hope. It's intentional, uh, and that really makes a difference for our kids and our parents as well. Yeah, I'm glad you said hope because that's the word that I was thinking that was describing this. You know, so in in my last year as a principal, I was the principal of a homeschool and a prison school. And these kids that were in the mm-hmm. prison school, they were, you know, going back and forth between a, a kind of a halfway house type of thing and and being in the prison and and lots of different options. A lot of kids came to the homeschool because it was like their last chance before they finally dropped out of high school and I saw a lot of kids who were who were without hope. You know, if you're in a traditional school, you fail a couple of classes your freshman year, and it's really hard to get that credit back because there's just not a lot of time in the day to to have the opportunity to get it back. And so I've seen a lot of kids recently who my heart just goes out to them because they don't have hope that they can ever accomplish anything meaningful because they're not going to be able to get their high school diploma in time for when they would would typically do it. And you're providing that hope, which I think is just inspiring. So the last question that I ask Jeremiah is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Well, I certainly don't think of myself as a transformative principal, but I do think that I have a responsibility to ask the question, what can I do differently to produce better results for my kids? And so I think one of the most important things that, that principals should be doing is regularly assessing the practices of the school. So, so the reason I went charter in this instance is because all too often in, in our districts, the way we do things is the way we've either always done them or the way central office says has to happen or, or there are just all these barriers and, and structures that are built in place or that we put in our, in our minds that we have to put in place. And they don't work for kids. They don't work for kids' lives. They don't work for the way the world works today. And, and so because of it, we lose a lot of young people who could have been really successful. So I think all principals who are committed to seeing transformative results have to be committed to challenging the status quo of their instructional model Think of themselves as school designers, not just school leaders, not just school managers, but school designers, and continue to tweak with their schools, their models, challenge the status quo around their models, and and try to improve upon the programming that can be offered so that they can better serve young people based upon the data they're receiving. So don't ignore those data. The data are very powerful, and, and their data coming from all different places uh, and so some of the most important places to me that I that I get data from are from the young people from, that I wasn't successful with, right? Because that tells you areas in which your model isn't meeting need. So rather than say, oh, you know, this, they just, this wasn't just the right fit for this kid, not necessarily. It could have been if we did a design change, right? So what's the design change that we can have? that can uh, see a different result. I think, so that, that's what I do every day. That's what I'm committed to doing intentional structures with my leadership team. And I think that helps to continue that, that cycle of improvement around model iteration, right? So, so that's, that's what I would say any principal can do today 
uh, is begin to challenge their model and use data to iterate around it. Yeah, I think that that is fantastic. If you'd like to learn more about uh, Excel Day and Evening Academy, go to excelacademymobile.com or you can check out the show notes for this episode at jethrojones.com slash podcast episode 341. And uh, Jeremiah, thank you again so much for being part of Transformative Principle. It's been awesome to chat with you and I appreciate what you're doing for kids. Thank you again, Jethro. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to ixl.com be to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.